We started our series, Red Letters, last weekend. And, uh, and in so doing, I just want to say this one more time. We are not saying that the red letters in the Bible are the most important words. Because we know that as we read through the New Testament, Jesus only did that which he heard and saw his father do. And so Jesus echoed many of the things that were in the Old Testament. Not only that, when you look at the writings of Paul, and as Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, we see that Paul himself went back and echoed much of what was in the Old Testament, none of the Old Testament really being in red letters. And so we're not saying that these are the only words we pay attention to. How many believe that the Word of God, all of it, from beginning to end, is the inspired Word of God? Amen? Matter of fact, do me a favor, whether it's on your iPad, your smartphone, or whether you have one of these guys and you've dusted it off, can you just do me a favor? Just lift your Bible in the air. Come on, if you got one, I, look at all those phones. That's beautiful. You got Bibles. Awesome. I want to encourage you, um, as you continue to come to Canvas Church, whether it's on your iPad, your iPhone, or, or whether you have one of these old guys, this is called the Bible, in case you didn't know. It's the leather bound, all right? And maybe you have a paperback. That's fine. I want to encourage you to bring the Bible to church every single weekend. Now, I know that a lot of you would look at the screens and say, well, Pastor, you put the verses on the screens. I don't have to. I know uh, you don't have to, but I want you to because one of these days I might trick you and put something totally obscure on the screen and see if you catch it, right? You need to bring your Bible and you need to be looking and seeing what God says, all right? Not what Ben says and not what I put on the screen, but how many know, come on, what God says is more important than what I say? Amen, all right? And so here we go, red letters. We're going to continue our series. We talked about Jesus Christ, uh, the statement he made saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? Today we're going to look at another I am statement, seven of them found in the book of John. We're going to look at another one today, and it's found in John chapter 8, and it's in verse 12. And I'll give you some context here in just a moment after we read it. But I want to read it, John 8, 12. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. John 8, verse 12. And again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How many of you guys are thankful for that? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is, is absolutely fantastic. God, we thank you that your word is, 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 is living. Lord, it is alive. And, and I pray that a live word would be spoken out of my mouth today. And it would be communicated in such a life-giving way that people walk out of this place eternally changed. Hallelujah. Lord, let it be so. God, let it happen today. Lord, let somebody's life be transformed by your word today. God, let salvation come to somebody's heart, somebody's home today. God, I pray for those that are here that are walking right with you, that love you with everything. God, I pray you would challenge us with your word today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Life. I am the light of the world. Not me, Jesus. Red letters, maybe in many of your Bibles and my Bibles it is. I am the light of the world. Light is a very powerful, powerful thing. And we see it throughout all of Scripture, okay? Light is, is something that literally begins to chase away the darkness. Okay, guys, go ahead. Go to a blackout. Perfect, okay? We're learning together. It's okay. It's a new facility. I see dead people. No, just kidding. Light, look at that. It's bright, isn't it? I mean, it is dark in here, and yet when the light hits you, it's like, bam! It's like the darkness can't help but leave. How many of you guys hate me right now? Oh, I got a peace sign back there. Thank you, Arturo. That's right. 
okay? And, and, and Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. In other words, he said that because, A, the world was probably dark and needed a light. And secondly, he realized that if you are walking around in darkness, it is really hard to find your way. It is really hard to find where you're headed. As a matter of fact, there's some people trying to come in right now. They can't see. I'm going to help them out. It's like the Blue Man Show, right? You are late. You are. Oh, no. Okay. And the light comes on. Now, look at this. Now, now the darkness, you know, it can't overcome it. It's, it's, it's the light's on. Boom, darkness gone. When Jesus made the statement, I am the light of the world, what he was saying is this, he's saying, hey guys, I know that, that, that there's probably some things in your life that, that you're having a hard time dealing with. You can't find your way, you can't discover your path, and what you need is, is not what you've been looking to, what you need is me, and I'll be that light for you. That's why the Bible says your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do I look scary like this? Yeah, it's awesome. It's a good thing the babies are out now, right? See, now all of you right now that have an old school Bible, you can't read it. But everybody that has the iPhone or I can see all the glow happening. It's beautiful, okay? okay? He says, I am the light of the world, okay? Now light, what does it help you? It helps you see in the dark. It helps, you know, pave the path for you. I remember not that long ago, I was camping in the Redwood Forest. And in the Redwood Forest, how many of you guys have ever been to the Redwoods? Okay? Them some big trees, right? Big trees. And I had never been to the Redwood Forest before, and we went to the Redwood Forest, and, and at nighttime, like, you know, like I lived in downtown San Diego at the time, and it never gets dark. Matter of fact, we, we had a spotlight right outside our house that shone, in our, not really, but it seemed like it, right into our window, okay? And so we'd have to get blackout drapes just to make it dark. When we went to the Redwood Forest, and we went out there, and we stayed in the Redwood Forest, it was scary. I didn't know if I was going to make it through the first night, man. I thought someone was going to come and kill me. You couldn't see a thing. And the worst part was, is we're getting ready for bed and tuck the kids in. It's pitch dark out. And all of a sudden, one of my daughters, Daddy, I got to go potty. I'm like, here's a flashlight. Go for it. <laughs> Have fun. Jesus is the Lord of the world, you know. I was like, you kidding me? And so, man, we had to get a light out, right? And we had to walk to the bathroom. If it was not for that light, it, I wouldn't have been able to find one. That's how black it was. That's how dark it was. Jesus Christ came into the world because the world was experiencing not that in the natural, but that in the spiritual. They were unable to find their way. They are unable to discover the way, the truth, the life. So Jesus comes on and says, I am the light of the world. Think about light for a minute. Light, it helps things grow. It, it, it can make things warm, right, if you have enough of it. How many of you guys are thankful that the building is not freezing today and you've been here the last couple of weeks? Come on. Now that it's 80 and we don't need it, but it's all right, you know? Look at the bright side. We have it, if we do. <laughs> it helps things grow. It can, it can warm things. Now, you think about light. Uh, what does light do? Light shows blemishes, okay? Now, I don't need a show of hand, but how many of you, how many ladies out there, you have one of those magnifying mirrors in the bathroom, and it's got the little light on it, you know? I mean, let's be honest. If someone's got to look that closely to see your blemishes, you all right, all right? Don't worry about it. Okay? But they got the little light, right, and it magnifies. And I, I remember, and I'm, I'm man enough to own up to this. I went and got a facial one time. Come on, somebody. How many men out there ever had a facial? How many guys out there just feel like I lost my man card? Yeah. That's right. I'll take you to the facial, and you'll see the light. 
But I remember, man, she had this, like, like you're at the dentist, you know, and they pull this thing and they shine this light on you. It's like, oh, you know, and they're, they're just, you know, dealing with some stuff on your face, you know. Okay. It, it, shows, it shows blemishes. It highlights masterpieces. When you go to an art gallery and you walk in, they don't just have the art piece. What do they have? They have light shining on it to highlight the masterpiece. It's, it's pretty awesome. Light also burns little ants. Come on, somebody. Right? How many remember back when you get the magnifying glass out? Come on, be honest. How many, how many of you just got my man card back right there? Come on now. Okay? Yeah, I remember when I was little and I had the magnifying glass, you know, and you just get the sun and you just, it's, it's awesome. Or slugs and you burn holes right through them. Yeah. It's amazing, right? It directs people in the night. It directs people. It directs things. It directs ships in the night. And, and, and it helps them find their way. Light is a very Jesus makes this statement, I am the light of the world. I chase away the darkness. I can show blemishes. I can help you find your way when you can't find your way. Apparently the earth was dark and it was in need of light. In need of light. Let me just give you some context of what's taking place. What's taking place when Jesus makes this statement is the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. The Feast of Tabernacles would, would, would happen once a year, and they would come together, and they would celebrate for about seven days. And what they were celebrating is they were celebrating how the, the, the pillar of fire at night and the cloud by day led the children of Israel out of Egypt. It, it helped them find their way through the wilderness to the, to the promised land, to the place that God had intended for them. And so here they are, and they're now celebrating this in the New Testament. Jesus shows up at the temple as the celebration is taking place. It's literally happening in the temple. Several, several elements of the celebration, one of which is this. One of which is, is, is every day the priest would go down to the, 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 the Gehan Springs, and he would get water every day, and he would walk into the temple, and then he would pour that water out on the altar, symbolic of when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and water flowed from the rock. And they would do this, this daily. And the priests would bring in this water, pour it out, and they would celebrate this fact that, 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 that God allowed them to have water from a rock in the wilderness. How many know if you're out in the desert, water is an important thing? Okay, how many of you guys want to go find that rock, right? But in the context of that celebration, when they would bring the water, listen to what Jesus says in John 7, 37, in the temple, celebrating the, the Feast of Tabernacles, bringing water in. Here's everybody celebrating. Oh, man, that must have been so awesome back in the day. Man, I wish I could have been there. Right? How many of you guys hear somebody tell a story, and that story is so vibrant and so real, but it happened so long ago that you were like, oh, man, I wish I would have been there. You ever heard one of those stories before? I wish I could have seen that with my own eyes. I wish I could have experienced that. And that's what's taking place as they pour the water out on the altar. They're celebrating, and it's vivid to them. And in that context, in John 7, 37, Jesus, on the last day of the feast, the great day, the last day, the day where they really partied. The temple was packed, people everywhere experiencing this moment. Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Think about how powerful that moment must have been. 
the last day, the great day. Why was it the great day? Because if you missed the first six days, you couldn't miss the seventh. Everybody was there. And here's the priest pouring that water on that rock to remember something of the past. And Jesus stands up and says, man, forget about the past. The living water is standing right in front of you. If anyone thirsts, you don't have to think back to now. Right here, take a drink from this, and you will never thirst again. And the story goes on, and as the story goes on, we see this, that on that same day, as Jesus was teaching in the temple, what's going on in the temple? Why was he there? We're talking thousands of people. And he's in the temple through the Feast of Tabernacles. And if we go into chapter 8, you see this is the story where, where these men drag this woman in. And they lay her before the feet of Jesus in the temple. And they say, Jesus, this, this, this woman right here, she's committed adultery. And this is the scene in which everything's taking place. What a powerful moment that was, if you've never read that story. Jesus begins to dialogue with them and, and then do an etch-a-sketch in the dirt. I don't know what he was drawing, but it must have been pretty powerful. And he's drawing some stuff in the dirt and he's conversing with the people that brought her in. And she's lying there probably weeping because it's not just the crowd of men, her and Jesus. We're talking thousands of people in the temple celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. See, most of us, when we think about that moment, we probably envisioned it out on the street somewhere. And there's a few people around and what she, you know, this is the last day, the great day of the feast. And they drag this woman in and they say, this one. She's been caught in adultery. Jesus dialogues with them, and he makes this statement that I'm thankful for, and I'm sure you are too. Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And from the oldest to the youngest, because the older people, they got some wisdom and a lot more sins than the younger people. Come on, somebody. <laughs> They go, all of them gone, all of the accusers, not all the people, thousands of people. She says, hey, where's your accusers? Nowhere, my Lord. I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. I don't know about you, but that verse And then right after that, Jesus, in that context, all of the accusers gone. Those, but still thousands of people looking at what just took place. The woman lying there. And he says this. Hmm. This is so good. Read it to you one more time. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Powerful moment. He says that in the context. Just let me show you just one more historical thing here. On the last day of the feast, in the, in the women's court was the court of treasury. They would have these massive 
candelabras. I mean, not just like a candle like in your house, but these massive, tall. And they would make the wicks with the old, the old garments of the priests. And they would light those things on the last day. And here in the women's court, now people begin to feel and they begin to dance around these candelabras, celebrating the fact that the pillar of fire covered them and helped them see their way as they left Egypt. Jesus, watching this whole event take place, watching them dance around and celebrate, I mean, it was said that you could literally, if, if the walls were gone from the temple, that you could see this flame for miles. It was a massive candle. And as they're dancing around, some Jesus says, hey, that is awesome. Once again, though, just like I'm the living water, you don't need to look to the past. I know you're celebrating that, but I am the light of the world. What was Jesus saying? What was Jesus saying? Light is a powerful thought throughout Scripture. Let me just give you some verses real quickly. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God, now listen to this. And God saw that the light was Light in this scripture means good. When Jesus makes the statement, I am the, he's saying, I am good. I am good. You can follow me. I am good. I'm the light. I'm the goodness of the world. In the beginning, he didn't say, hey, I separated it. Light's good and dark's good. It says light is good. Light shines. Go to the next one. The next one is this. The next one is Isaiah 53, 11. Isaiah 53, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By the knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accountable, uh, accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. In the, in the New King James, it talks about the light of righteousness. In other words, he's saying this, I am righteous. When I am the light of the world, I am righteous. Think, think real quickly now to the, to the New Testament. In Acts chapter 9, in Acts chapter 9, great story about a guy named Saul. He's on the road to Damascus. He later becomes Paul. How many of you guys heard this story before? He's on the road to Damascus, and the Bible says that a great light hit him and blinded him. Haven't read it. It's powerful. Great light. And in, in, in seeing that great light, eyes blinded, he begins to hear a voice. The Bible says this, that everyone there in the context heard the voice but saw nothing. Paul was the only one that got transformed because he was the only one that saw the light. Everyone else heard the voice, but no one else saw the light. Paul saw the light. What does this speak of? That the light transforms us from the inside out. When Jesus stands and says, I am the light of the world, he is saying there is an inner light that I shine. It's that light kind of like when I'm getting the facial. Come on, somebody. That comes in and begins to show some blemishes, begins to show some areas that might need some work, that might need some cover-up. When Jesus Christ, the light of the world, comes into us, it starts from the inside and begins to work out. I am the light of the world. In other words, guys, you don't need to go through life looking for something to hold on to to try to find your way. Think about it. How many of you guys have ever stayed somewhere you've never been before? Hotel, someone's house, right? And you wake up 
in the middle of the night, you got to go potty. Right? And you, you can't find the light switch. Finally, you got to go so bad, you're like, okay, forget it. I can't find the light switch. And what do you do? You feel your way. And hopefully you end up in the restroom. Come on, somebody. <laughs> hopefully you don't end up in somebody's bedroom. You know what I'm saying? You feel your way through. You try to find your way. Jesus is saying, look, you don't need to try to feel your way through life anymore. You don't need to try to, try to, try to. Because what happens when you, how many of you guys ever bumped your knee, right? right? Someone did right there. You know, you stub a toe, you run into something, you break something. Jesus is saying, look, I'm the line of the way. I'll show you the way. I'll show you the path. Let me just give you just something real quickly. What we must do with the light. What we must do with the light. I am the light of the world. There's Jesus. You have the context. People are celebrating what was. Now he's saying, hey, I'm what is, and I'm what's about to come. You need to follow me. Look at what it says. Let me read it one more time. John chapter 8, verse 12. It says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me. Not whoever remembers the past, not who just celebrates the past, but whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You will not walk in darkness ever again. There's the presentation, there's the context, but now there must be a response. What does that mean to me? I know that, but now what do I do with it? What do I do with it? What do I do with the light? Let me just give you something real quickly. The first thing is this, is allow him to come in and expose blemishes in your life. Allow him to come in and expose blemishes in your life. Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 14, make reference to the fact that when the light comes, it exposes all the things that are done in secret or in darkness. Uh, I, I live in, in, a, in a pretty good neighborhood but in my neighborhood that I live, uh, the police helicopter, where it lands, has to fly over our neighborhood to get to where all the, most of the crime takes place. I won't mention neighborhoods just in case you lived there and you thought you lived in a safe neighborhood. <laughs> Del Mar, no, I was kidding. And uh, and it has to fly over our house. Very rarely do I hear that helicopter flying over our house during the day. It's 90% of the time at night. Why? Because that's when the majority of all the bad things happen, at night. But when the light comes, when that sun comes up, right, it exposes. No, no, no people can't hide anymore. What do we have to do? We have to receive the light. We have to allow him to come in and expose areas of our life. The blemishes, the sins, the wrongs. The, are you with me this morning? And if we do that, he can begin to deal with it. Now here's the thing. In John 1, 5, it says that, that the light came, but the darkness could not comprehend it. Could not understand it. Could not overcome it. It, it, the light came, Jesus, it's in context. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was the light of the world. The light came, but the darkness could not comprehend it. Why is that? Because they've been used to filling their way. 
See, when someone gets right with God, there is a massive learning curve. I like, I like to do this, and my wife doesn't necessarily know I like to do this. Maybe she's caught on to this fact. But I like it. I get up first in the morning. How many guys rise before your wives? Okay, take notes on this one. This will be a good one for you. Okay. One of the things I like to do, and if I'm in a nice mood, I'll usually just click on the bathroom light, and I'll go over, and I'll go, honey, baby, it's time to wake up. And then she'll wake me up for another 45 minutes. Right? But when, like on Sunday mornings when I'm not feeling nice and I want her to get going, I walk over to the light switch and I just go, bam! <laughs> right? How many of you guys ever had that happen before, right? And the light just assaults you. <gasps> Turn it off. Stop. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Like your eyes have an adjustment. You're just like, whoa. Sometimes I like to do it with my iPhone because I wake up and I'll read my Bible on my phone. And if she needs to wake up, I'll just go like this. And she's like, ah. It assaults you in the morning. It's, it's kind of like a rude awakening. This is what the Bible is talking about in John 1, 5. And the darkness, whoa, what in the world's happening? The light's coming on for the first time. And the darkness can't understand it. What is that? And initially, it blinds you rather than helps you, right? Just like when, I was, when it was completely dark and I shined that flashlight earlier. It's so bright. It's so radiant. I am the light of the world. And that light comes and immediately begins to expose some blemishes in our life. And we need to come to terms with that and allow the light of God to shine in us to expose those things so that we're no longer walking in darkness got to receive the light, the switch coming off. What else must we do with the light? Jesus said it right here. Whoever follows me, whoever follows me, do me a favor, turn off the lights one more time. Let's try to get this right here. Okay. Whoever follows me. I mean, without the light, but yeah, I can see now because there's some light coming in, you know. But man, with the light. And see, here's, here's here, and we're going to get there in just a minute. But see, most of us think this is how Jesus is working. And, and the light is out there and going like this. The problem with that mentality is the light could be shining right there, but there's enough radiance of it. I could, I could kind of walk over here and think I'm walking in truth, but I'm not. Because the light's over there. And Jesus, I'm the light of the world. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It literally means, if you study out the word in its context, it literally means to begin to live so much like God that when people see your life, they can follow God too. Which means every area. Which means every area. But see, most of us look at following Jesus like this. We know the direction to go. We see the path to go. But the only problem with this is this, is if the light's shining over there, how is it supposed to expose things that are happening here? Because now I can't see anymore. As a matter of fact, it's blinding me. I don't know where to go now. I can't see a thing. And so wait, wait a second. What is it? What, is, it, is, it, is, it is it his light showing blemishes in my life? Or is it his light showing me a path to walk in? I mean, it, or is it both? It's both. 
if we get to the last part. Because as Christ's followers, we are not meant to absorb it all. We're meant to reflect it. And so when the light is shining, see, look at that, boom. I'm not shining light in your face. I'm just reflecting it. Don't get mad at me. I live in a glass house. It's not my fault. We're meant to reflect his light. Go ahead and turn on the lights so I stop blinding people real quick. I am the light of the world. Blemishes. Oh my gosh, I got some stuff to take care of. But I want you to follow me. But, but, but I got blemish. Follow, blemish, follow. I don't know what to do. The reason the church, ladies and gentlemen, has oftentimes lacked its luster and its glow is because it's spending so much time trying to be the light rather than to reflect the light. And I don't know about you, but I know my story. I know my stuff. And I'm thankful that Jesus is the light of the world. And he comes and he exposes some things in my life. Because ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you right now, if I was simply trying to be the light rather than reflect Jesus, you wouldn't want to be at this church. If I was trying to, to project the way you ought to live and the way you ought to be and the, how, how you need to, no, no, that's not my job. My job is not to be this beacon of light for everybody. My job is to allow the love of Jesus, the light of the world to come and begin to expose some things in my life. And as he exposes them in my life, I begin to get healing. And as I get healing now, I can begin to reflect that light. And as the light is reflected, then it's like, oh, there's where I got to go. And now look, everywhere I turn, there's the light and now I reflect Jesus see I know that people say well you need to you know you're the only Jesus people you need to be like Jesus I will never be like Jesus ever the best I can do is get a big old mirror right here and say Jesus that's why the Bible says, hey, 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 stop trying to take little specks out of people's eyes and deal with the beam that's in your own eye. Because when we try to take the specks out of people's eyes, we're like this. We're like, oh, there's something wrong with you. Oh, there's the problem right there. But if we allow the light of Jesus come, man, there is some junk in my trunk, <laughs> and I begin to deal with that stuff, and as God begins to heal me, then I can begin to reflect, and as I begin to reflect, oh, what's that? It's like that one commercial, follow the line, right? And all of a sudden, now people are like, whoa, what's that glow coming off of you? What's that glow coming off of you? We're called to allow the light of God to expose. We're called to follow him. But in order to do that, we must reflect him. We've got to reflect him. We've got to be a reflector of his grace, of his love, of his mercy. We've got to be a reflector. Listen to me. I'm not going to go start trying to dig some, some specks out of people's eyes, but listen to me. My goal is not to build a massive Twitter following. 
Because here's the reality. If I build a massive, massive Twitter following, just more people are going to see me fall. Just more people are going to see me fall. I want to build a Jesus following. I want people to follow him. Because honestly, ladies and gentlemen, if you follow me, you're going to be sorely, sorely, sorely hurt. But if I realize that Jesus... Stop, stop trying to be the light for other people. So think, think about it this way. If we just allow the, the word to speak to us and we deal with our stuff, because honestly, man, I'm so thankful for a big mirror. Because not only does it block a lot of my sin that you can't see, come on, somebody. His love covers, but it reflects a really big light. It reflects a, a really, and if we allow the word of God to continue just to work on us and correct us and, and not so much worry about, well, I've got to help my friend. Because I realized something, that, that a lot of times we do that because it's a lot easier to focus on somebody else's issues than it is on our own. Right? It's a lot easier. And so I'm going to be the person in the church that just goes around, knows everybody's business, I'm going to help them out. I'll, I'll just be straight up with you. That was ghetto right there. <laughs> We're not in downtown anymore. We're in Mission. I got to think of some new, some new words. Yeah, bro, you want to go catch some waves? Can I be honest with you? Be leery of the people in the church at the job place that know everybody's business and trying to take care of everybody's stuff. Because they've probably got the biggest issues. So you know what? I'm just going to... This little light of mine. Because I'm not the light of the world. You're not the light of the world. Our church ain't the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And if we let the light of the world come and first, listen to me, listen to me, man, too many times we read the Bible in context for somebody else. Well, this would be such a great scripture for them. And when you begin to do that, you begin to turn the light and you begin to say, ah. What if we read the word and said, God, how can this apply to my life? Be a reflector. Be a reflector. See, people look at me sometimes and they think that the pastor of the church has got to have it all together. Listen to me, I ain't got it together. And I have no problem saying that. What I have is a really big mirror. I've learned that if I allow this to work here, man, it'll work there too. So you might see a tall, goofy dude up front in worship. That's me, not Caleb. I wasn't talking about you, Caleb. <laughs> you might see me on a Sunday morning up front, sometimes weeping, sometimes dancing, sometimes clapping, sometimes raising my hand, and, you, and someone would think, oh, he's the pastor of the church, he has to do that. No, I just realized the scripture, whom is forgiven much loved and so when I come into church, I know what he's forgiven me of. So I can't help but do a little of this. 
a little of this. Or maybe every once in a while a little of that. Because <laughs> I know what he's forgiven me of. And so that's why I never want to be this. I just simply want to be this. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome.